Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry, and this is my co-host. I'm the second Chris of the episode. I am Chris Huddleston. And today, we are very excited to be talking to you about what I think is a really cool movie, The Wolf of Snow Hollow. We have every reason to believe that this monster will show up again tonight. Six years, sober for three. This is scary. It's new. I never saw a body like that. There's gonna be a lot of late nights and overtime because of the brutal murder that happened in town. And I didn't want to set up expectations that I can't keep. Our expectations of you are very low. Spans the bites are gigantic. Same as the distance of the paw prints. It's a wolf. Or maybe it's a werewolf. No, let me just make this perfectly clear. There is no such thing as werewolves. Our killer is a guy, and I'm gonna find him, and I'm gonna kill And we're gonna bring him to justice. We have every reason to believe that this monster will show up again tonight. I won't ask you to pray with me, because of the goddamn lawyers. Where were you? Where were you? John, not of you talk to me at once, okay? They're saying it's a wolf. No, it's a man. When do I get to be right about something? Okay, good trailer. Do you have a synopsis for us, Chris? I do. Uh, The Wolf of Snow Hollow is a 2020 film written by, directed by, and starring Jim Cummins, Cummings, uh, it also stars Ricky Lindholm and Robert Forster, I believe in his last role before he passed away. Uh, Terror grips a small mountain town as bodies are discovered after each full moon. Losing sleep, raising a teenage daughter, and caring for his ailing father, Officer John Marshall struggles to remind himself there's no such thing as werewolves. No, oh, that's a good synopsis. Yeah. Short and sweet. Yes. So, so uh, what, 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 you hadn't seen it, had you? I have. Not I had not. Seen it. No, I had not. So, did you see his other movie, Jim Cummins? I did not. Have you seen it? I have not. But it, I, I read after watching this one, I read that it, it took the grand jury prize at South by Southwest. So, uh-huh. and he's a police officer cheap. in that one too, is my understanding. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So pretty good. So this is his second film. Um, I guess I'll start. Sure. There, uh, I liked it uh, a lot. There is a lot to talk about. Um, he, on the face of it, it's a werewolf movie, right? Small town cops trying to figure out, you know, who or what is committing these crimes. 
Um, it's not coy about dangling the werewolf. You know, it doesn't paint it as a mystery. It leans pretty heavily on werewolf. And early on, we even see the hairy critter, um, even if it's sort of in shadow, uh, pretty soon. So we're like, oh, man, as we're getting right into it. But uh, as a director, so he wrote, directed, and starred in this, very ambitious. Theme-wise, he is bringing a lot into this movie because his performance, there's a lot, a strong comic note to it. You know, I, I thought it was very funny in, in different parts. Um, there's a horror element, right? It's a werewolf movie. There's, um, he is an addict. He has like anger man- management problems and he has alcohol problems. And I think the movie addresses those things at varying times, very realistically and very earnestly. Um, like there's one scene in which, so we meet him and he's sober and, and throughout the course of this movie, he falls off the wagon. And there is one scene in which, He's in his kitchen and he's gotten so drunk that he just he sort of collapses and he as he falls he kind of catches the oven the range door you know and the weight of him it slams it down and he kind of rolls off of it and I thought shatters the glass yeah I thought I don't know if that was an accident or if they staged that, but that looked real as hell. Like, mm-hmm. that looked like that hurt. It was just yeah, a really convincing scene, and it really – and he didn't flinch. I mean, he was blackout drunk or, you know, convincingly blackout drunk in, in the performance there. And I just thought, man, that is a realistic depiction of, you know, what it looks like when alcoholism gets to that point. Mm-hmm. Uh so, you know, and then his his father is the sort of um is the sheriff and his father is old and ailing, has heart issues. So he's it, they're dealing with um, you know, his grief. He has an estranged wife which in some scenes, you know, it's dealt with in a comic way and in other scenes he's with his daughter and the problematic relationship that he has with his daughter because of his anger management issues because of his alcoholism and sort of not being able to deal with his feelings, and those feel quite raw and painful. Um, I mean, I, and I, oh, I'm saying all this uh, uh, admiringly. I thought those are all great things. Um, I guess I would say, as as one note of criticism, like it doesn't it doesn't feel like there's enough time. Like a cooking metaphor occurred to me. Like sometimes you'll make a chili or a guacamole or something. There's all these great ingredients that go into it, and it's almost better the second day after it's had a chance to kind of marinate together and all the flavors kind of develop layers. And mm-hmm. and in this one, you know, scene to scene, it almost felt like he had planned out, okay, I'm going to highlight this element of the film and this and that element of the film here. And maybe got a little rushed as he tried to tie it all off in the end. It didn't all necessarily quite come together into what at the end of it, I was kind of like, wow, that was, I felt like I was watching several different versions of the same movie there. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I uh, when I before I watched it, I looked at the runtime and I started. So I watched this last night and I started at about ten o'clock, and um, I looked at the runtime and it's an hour and twenty four minutes or something like that. And I thought, perfect, that's great for a werewolf movie, right? And then it gets to, you know, you're getting close to the end and things haven't really been resolved yet. And I'm looking at the time and there's like 12 minutes left or something. And so it was it was a rare occasion to me where I would have been okay with another 20 minutes, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I I was enjoying a nice lean. I love a nice lean runtime, but this is. I actually wanted a little more of this yeah. movie. I thought it could have, it, there was more to develop. Um, some, some, a few scenes and a few themes got a kind of short shrift, um, which you don't often say about a movie. Yeah, <laughs> really. Um, I agree. But, but yeah. So, um, we we should reiterate. I mean, we spoil all the movies that we talk about here. By the way, did you know? Apparently, I didn't do any research when we named this podcast, but apparently, there is another podcast called Chris and Chris Ruin Movies. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't, is that a, I didn't like a British? Thing? Yeah, I think it's British. Yeah. I haven't heard it. Have you? I, I have not. No, but yeah. But it's a great name. It's Somebody a better name than we've got. Yeah. We do kind of ruin movies uh, if you haven't seen them. Um, but this is no exception. So. This part of this is you don't really know what's going on. You don't really know what's going to happen. And that's refreshing in 2020 because it's hard to pull off in a film. And, um, you know, in the older werewolf movies, that was the surprise. The surprise was it wasn't some animal. It was a man who turned into a wolf, right? But we're kind of past that. So it's like, well, it's a werewolf. And you're like, yeah, but there's no such thing as werewolves. So how do you reconcile that? But it keeps showing us and to the point where it actually shows us the werewolf at one point. Um, and so you're like, how is this going to end? Like, are, is he going to how is he going to handle? Anyway, we're spoiling it. So if you don't if you if you don't want to um, hear the end, then please pause this and go watch the movie and absolutely. come back because we will absolutely 100 percent ruin this movie. Um, and we're going to do that right now, so um, the ending is one place that I think um, I really would have liked a little more time. Like when he goes to the house, and I love the way that unfolds, mm-hmm. you know, and when he talks to the guy. Um, I just, I could have used, like it was all just over so quickly. I, I It was. I would have liked to have maybe seen that guy before. This was the little pet peeve I had too. So the, there's that great moment where he goes, sorry, will you just stand up to your full height for me? And the guy, there's that great scene where he stands up and you see how tall he is. And he goes, yeah. <laughs> and they both know the jig is up mm-hmm. and then it just explodes in action. I would have, you know, I thought this is a guy who, lives in the town. The town's got a population of what? Maybe 2,000 people. I mean, it's a, Reeds is a really small town. Nobody knows this freakishly tall guy is a taxidermist. Like, yeah. We don't, it, it, this guy is unknown to the police. I don't know. It just yeah. seems right. Wouldn't you? Yeah. I'm like, he's like eight feet tall. <laughs> Anyway, so let's ruin it. So it's it's not a werewolf. It's a guy in a suit. Uh, and he, which 
Hmm. I don't know. They did such a good job with the kind of werewolf effect. I thought so. That, yeah. That felt like a little tiny bit of a bait and switch, but he spends the whole movie like his baloney headed deputies are all like, maybe it's a werewolf. And he's like, he gets furious. He's like, okay, uh, there's no such thing as werewolves. All right. Can we just establish that? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so in one way, it's kind of nice to see him vindicated uh, at the end. But in another way, the the creature feature part of me really wanted it to be a werewolf. Yeah, you know? I, I always want the monsters to be real. So I, I, I was a little bit, so I was conflicted when the scene happens where you actually realize that it's a guy in a suit. And so I was, I was kind of like, oh, it's not really a werewolf, but I also admired how well they handled that. I I thought it was a, it was where he actually confronts the guy and you see the guy has, has gotten the suit about three fourths of the way on. He doesn't have the head on or anything. And it's just like, Oh, okay. I mean, that's, it was just pretty cool how they, and he's running around in the snow and, you know, so, so I, I, yeah. I didn't hate the ending. No. And you know, so it's instead of a werewolf movie, it's more in line of silence of the land. It's a crazy guy. It's yeah. a crazy guy that dresses up like a wolf and that's part of his fetish. And he kills the people like a wolf would kill him because he's, crazy mm-hmm. right but we don't get into any of that we don't do we don't get to do the kind of post-mortem of the guy's house there's no crawl through the crime scene later you know what i mean mm-hmm. um it doesn't it's not treated as the whole point of the movie i think and, and the movie makes a lot of really interesting choices that don't ever really get unpacked like early on he says it's not a werewolf, okay? It's because werewolves don't exist. It's a guy, and we're gonna find him, and we're gonna we're gonna bring him to justice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, he he seems like he's intent on executing the perpetrator early on, and it's a light scene played as a joke, but it's a heavy theme when you think about it. And sure enough, at the end, um, we have kind of the old trope: the, his assistant deputy shows up. And kind of saves his bacon and shoots the wolf and and brings the guy down. And when he recovers his senses and stands up, he point blank, just three or four rounds right into it. You know, just the guy's down, he's out, and he bop, 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 you know, just. And we don't ever talk about it. <laughs> like, you just, the deputy doesn't say anything, no reports are filed. No questions are asked. That's just the end of the movie. Well, we we learn that the deputy becomes the sheriff instead of him, which we all, I think, admit is a good thing. Mm -hmm. But did that strike you at all that, like, there are some sort of 70s cop movie themes, like where does the line stop and judge, jury, and executioner, and, you know, when is it okay, when is a guy so bad that he doesn't deserve justice? And what do we do about these cops? Are they good guys? Are they vigilantes? Right? Some of those cop themes come into this because people are concerned and they're like, are you okay? But he, nobody takes his badge or his gun. He's clearly drunk at work in one scene, you know? And this is the acting sheriff. I, but that's not dealt with in the movie. Yeah, I... I kind of some of that I took as them making a little bit of commentary maybe about how uh, 
I don't know if like political correctness is the right term, but just how things have changed for police and people in these kind of positions. There's a uh, there's a really funny line that Robert Forster has where they're going to go out. It's like the the big scene where they're going to go out and hunt this guy down. And they're all standing around and Robert Forster says, well, I'd lead all of us in prayer, but I can't do that because of the goddamn lawyers, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, and, and I, I think, uh, uh, with this John Marshall, um, when he says that line that you said, where it's like, I'm going to kill, uh, we're going to bring him to justice. Um, I don't know if maybe that was, if they were kind of trying to say, uh, oh, in the old days we could just do this and nobody cared, you know, we'd just kill him. And, you know, there weren't all these, uh, people that were concerned about, you know, criminals rights and all this thing, or if it was just, he was just under such tremendous pressure because everybody in the town was mad at him, you know, with each, um, I don't really know that we said too much about it, but you know, these bodies start piling up because the guy, the wolf is killing all these people. And I think he just wants to kill the guy because he's sick of everybody being upset with him in the town. You know, that's kind of yeah. how I took that. But And the murders are upsetting. Mm-hmm. Um, the first murder is a couple, you know, who have rented a cabin and the guys inside or whatever, getting ready to go sit in the hot tub or maybe just came out of the hot tub and she's out. I don't know, shutting off the hot tub or something. And she is attacked and killed outside. And that's the first victim. The boyfriend sort of discovers the body. And the second one is um, a snowboarding or a ski instructor, you know, coming home late and, and is attacked outside her van. And the third one is really heartbreaking. It's a woman and her little daughter who's like two or three. Yeah. And you think, oh, come on, not a kid, but yeah, a kid. And you don't see it. You don't see the, you know, you don't see the wolf tearing them apart, but it, you still feel it. I still felt it, you know, and then you see the 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 um, funeral and there's the little coffin and you just think, oh, my God, you know, yeah. so it it does ramp up the horror of the crimes and the effect it's having on the community. I also think there's a recurring theme where people are, there's a reporter, people are sort of turning against him, right? And Mm -hmm. I like that scene when the porter goes, well, come on, you gonna catch these guys or what? And they're like, yeah, we're doing our best. And it's like, better hope so, better be, or something like that. And the guy's like, whoa, 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 what are you talking about? What are are all these little comments, you know? Mm -hmm. It it deals with it. But then also there's, there's a, they have like a, the guy who does the forensics and dust for prints and stuff at the crime scene from the very beginning. It's like it's a werewolf. And he's, and he's just like, will you shut up with the werewolf? That's not <laughs> professional. You know, it's and there's these dusting for prints. He's like, dust for prints. The guy's not going to leave it anyway. He's like, do your job. <laughs> <laughs> this is your job. Just do your job. And yeah. I, I do feel like there's a. I think part of what they're saying is he has trouble controlling his ang- his anger even managing it but at the same time you have to be like that would be pretty frustrating yeah <laughs> for sure all of this resistance from the inside and I don't know if it's just that this actor is just pretty charming or what but he he could have been 
a very unlikable character because you know he spends he's really sarcastic and he spends yeah. half the movie yelling at people but you get the sense especially by the end of the movie that he's a decent person but it's just there's he's dealing with so much you know like you said he has the 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 ex-wife that he's dealing with his dad is sick he's just the stress of being you know that he's the guy who's in charge and then on top of it, you have this, un- there's a thing I think Robert Forster says in the beginning of the movie where in the town, they have maybe one murder every couple of years. And now they're dealing with more or less a serial killer. And and yeah. like I said, everybody in the town is pissed at him because he's not solving this. And so it's just, you know, you, you watch it and you're just kind of like, if I were in the same position, I'd probably be yelling at people too, you know. Well, and he wants to solve it. Yeah. And, but his own people are like, come on, the FBI, that's what the FBI is for. This is, well, no, this was above our pay grade. We don't know how to handle something like this. Get the FBI in here. And he's like, this is our weird law enforcement. Like, And like you said, they're all a bunch of goofballs. You know, he's kind of the only one that's seeming. And the, his, uh, uh, the Ricky Landholm, the, the, uh, the woman who is, she's very competent, but they're kind of the two only competent ones. Yeah. And, and, you know, like I say, it brings up a lot of stuff. You get with the Robert Forrester character as the father that part of him doesn't want to retire because he doesn't want to admit, and, you know, he doesn't like the idea of retirement, but part of him doesn't want to retire because he feels like then the sheriffship will sort of pass down to his son, like not that it's a royal thing, but just mm-hmm. in a small town that's kind of the natural, you know, yeah. And that he doesn't quite think his son is ready for that, you know, to handle it. You know, it's like there's that doesn't get fully fleshed out, but I feel like it's there. And, you know, there's a lot weighing on the main character's mind. His marriage doesn't really work. Um, yes, it's pressure. And yes, it's his dad. And yes, there are these murders and all of that is true. But. You know, you don't get the sense that that's why he's an alcoholic, you know, or that's why his marriage failed. It's you get the sense that, you know, there are some there are some personal flaws the guy has, although he's basically good at heart. Mm -hmm. And I think we're supposed to interpret that people see that he's fallen off the wagon and they're concerned about him and they don't want him to hurt himself but they also like him and are rooting for him and they don't want to like what technically what you should probably do is take his gun and his badge and not let him drive, mm-hmm. right? But that doesn't happen because they sense that he is, a, you know, a good guy at heart if he's kind of a screw-up. Right. Yeah. And it, it's hard to tell because he's such a charming a uh, handsome guy with a lot of like energy, like swagger energy, but in a positive way. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he's such a leading man. Yeah. And I almost thought it was interesting because it's, it is a lot to write and direct. Oh and yeah. Star in your own movie. Not that it hasn't been done many times, but I almost wonder if he, you know, if he could write and direct somebody else playing, a, I just, I don't know. You know, it didn't, uh, 
as good as it was, like it, I find this sometimes, it, it's so it's so good that I want the parts of it that I feel like didn't, I want certain parts of it to be even better, you know, because I liked most of it so much. I'm like, oh man, that was great. If only, oh, it could have been just, it could have been better if, blah, 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 you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas when you watch a lousy movie, you're like, I don't care. Yeah. Oh, what if we had done that? Whatever. It's a garbage movie. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is not this is not a garbage movie. I really liked it. I want to go see the other one too. I do too. The other too, one yeah. is apparently not not funny. Oh, okay. Hmm, I don't know. I read a quick review of it and it was more of a drama, I think it said. But... Okay. You know, with this, I this was a movie where you watch so as we said, this was his second feature. And he's obviously very um, you know, very competent with what he's doing. I looked up the budget. I mean, it's clear that this is a lower budget movie. Yeah. Um, the budget is lift, listed as two million. I kind of thought maybe it would maybe be something under a million, but um, but anyway, two million is we know is is not a whole lot for movies today. So what I watch, yeah, when I watch a movie like that, like this, and it's lower budget and it's really well. You know, you can tell it's low budget as soon as you start watching it, but he does a lot of great camera movements and some creative things and it's very professional and the acting is good and, you know, it's, it's well written by him. So this is somebody where I, I definitely will be interested to see what he does next. And I'll be, I definitely, um, you know, I think if he could get a bigger budget, I think he could do something really impressive you know um yeah yeah but i am you know this was in my wheelhouse i'm a i'm a sucker for werewolf movies the only problem with werewolf movies is there's so few good ones you know you have the original howling and then all the sequels are garbage american werewolf in london uh dogs have you ever seen dog soldiers nope Oh, that's one we we're gonna have to put that on the list. And also Ginger Snaps is another one that's really great. But then there's, you know, there just aren't a lot of good ones. Partly, I think there's not a lot made in comparison to zombie movies or vampire movies. I think just because they're so hard to pull off. And with the budget, they did a great job with the werewolf in this. And and you did you ever really did? At any point did you think, oh, this is not going to be a, a real werewolf did you ever think like ah this is maybe going to be a guy in a suit no because they have i mean they have a scene in which there is one scene where it's like in the it's it cuts to a wide shot and it's someone lying on the ground and the the werewolf standing in the headlights mm-hmm. you just see it and you're like that's not a wolf yeah that's a it's a wolf man standing on its hind legs, right? With opposable thumbs. You're like, that's that's a werewolf, you know? And it's not, it's designed to look, at that point, they are showing you the werewolf. Yeah. Right? They're not hinting at it. It's not a wolf-like shape in the shadows. It's not a paw print. It's the werewolf. So... And I thought it looked great. Yeah. I thought it looked really great. I love, I think part of the problem with werewolf movies is once upon a time, a wolf was just a scary thing. So the idea of a person turning into a wolf, 
was a scary concept and that it might be someone you know and if they bite you you'll turn into a werewolf and that was scary enough but then at a certain point you're like well a wolf isn't just scary enough it needs to be some sort of wolf man hybrid right mm-hmm. but then all the the makeup and stuff looked corny so yeah. you're like oh and you're like oh he looks like a you know that's hilarious mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not scary and then you had like American Werewolf in London where it gets real um, body horror. Like they spend all this time showing the transformation. You know, it's, it's all like, and it looks yeah. painful and it goes on forever. And you're like, oh, God. And that's not so scary to me as much as it is just disgusting. And I kept waiting for that in this. I was like, when's going to be the transformation scene? Well, obviously right. we know why there wasn't a transformation, but right. that was, and that became a clever aspect. It's like, okay, if we have it be a guy in a suit, we don't have to worry about a transformation. We don't, you know, if we don't have the budget to do that, right. it's it's fixed itself, you know. But he, uh, like you said, there's a shot where, you know, you full on see it. And that was, I don't know if that was the guy in the suit or if that was CG or what, but it, it looked really good. Might and have then, been a dash of both. Yeah, it probably was. And then the rest of the time, he's very smart with, you know, you see it. There's a scene where his daughter is in a Jeep with this kid and and the the wolf is attacking, the werewolf is attacking the car. And, you know, you see a paw and you see a head, but it's all real quick. So it all looks really great. I actually watched a video of um, the kind of behind the scenes and you can see the suit that they constructed looks pretty good, but you can see that if it's like, okay, if they had just shown it full on a bunch, you're going to be like, oh, that doesn't look too great. But if it's just quick cuts of it, it looks really convincing. It's more than once it's the werewolf is outside the car. You're in the car mm-hmm. and the werewolf is outside the car. And that's great because you can show the silhouette of it and the you know, it's right there, but you can't see it clearly and it's snowy and cold, so the windows are all fogged up and um Yeah, those sequences the attack sequences were very smartly filmed. Yeah. You know? Um, a lot of showing the victim's terror and the sort of flurry of activity and screaming. And then without having to have constructed elaborate corpses, you get little glimpses and crime scene photos and stuff of the, of the remains of the victims. And that's extremely well done too mm-hmm. because you see things that look like bite marks and claw marks and gouge marks. And it's shocking enough that you're like, oh, man. And, and, be, and the, you know, the character's like, I've never seen anything like this. Um, and the little glimpses you get over people's shoulders and, and uh, pictures getting sort of tossed on the table and stuff reinforce that. You're like, oh, you know, it looks like, Sometimes in a movie, it's sort of a, it's like they got a CPR dummy and they kind of cut it open. I mean, I'm exaggerating, but, you know, sure. it's kind of full of sausage links and hamburger and, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, See, carnage. And you're just kind of like, it doesn't look real. It's not. But this, this, A, they, they, they don't let you linger on it. But B, what you see of it. Uh, really lands in that part of your brain where you're like, oh my God, you know, and you just saw this person and you didn't spend a lot of time with this person, but just enough to not necessarily get to know them and like them, but to think of them as a person, 
And then there's an attack, and then the cops are investigating, and it's a body, and the body's been torn up. Yeah. And they really land that home with the third punch when it's a mother and a little girl. Right. Because then you add the innocent to it, and they don't, they're don't they merciful enough not to show you the child getting killed or whatever, but you see that little coffin, and you're just like, oh, my God. And so it really emotionally does a great job of the storytelling without needing to spend a ton of money on it. Right. Or overshow. You know, I don't... Mm-hmm. You know me, I'm squeamish. I don't I don't like the gore. I know it serves its purpose, but when the gore is the point, it's a sort of a turnoff for me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I don't enjoy seeing... Yeah, I get it. People literally being ripped to pieces. But yeah, that's... I, I think... Uh, so again, I think this... He could be somebody to watch from a director standpoint. Now, sometimes this happens, you know, somebody does a a low budget first or second um, feature that you're really impressed with, and then they get a bigger budget and maybe it's not, you know, it doesn't work or whatever. It's not as good. But, you know, he's showing, you know, what we've talked about a lot in this. So there's comedy in here handled really well. There's real dramatic emotional scenes. And then also he's able to handle these pretty scary scenes with the werewolf, you know, attacks. And so there'd be, there'd be a lot of maybe low budget directors that they could handle the, the human parts, the, the comedy and the drama, but maybe, you know, the, the werewolf parts aren't so good. You know, a lot of times in, in werewolf movies of this budget, they show the, you know, you finally, they'll show a claw and they'll show some teeth and then they finally show the werewolf and it looks like a bear, you know? <laughs> right. And so, you know, again, this werewolf looks really good and, or, you know, maybe a, somebody that's doing kind of a typical low budget horror film, they get the horror aspects down, but then the, the people are flat and wooden, you know, and you right. don't really have any kind of, it's just like, okay, I just want to see the next person get killed because I don't care about these. And, but so, you know, I, I was really impressed from that standpoint. Again, I really liked the movie a lot, but I'm also I'm curious to see what what he's going to do next. Yeah, I think you're right. Sometimes you do two good indie things like this and you might somebody might throw a lot of money at you and be like, you know, here's 50 million dollars. And that can be a very difficult adjustment to make Yeah, you know, because money like that has some pretty thick strings attached to it. He presumably know? was able to control, you know, everything in this film. Yeah, I and I think that that's, that's how it feels, for better and for worse. Um, you know, it, it probably could have benefited from a little bit more money. To, just to, the money would buy you a little more time mm-hmm. to take with it, you know? This feels a little bit... One of the reasons this feels indie is it, it almost feels like he cast all of his friends in it. Mm-hmm. And not, they're not all bad, but some of the performances are pretty two-dimensional. You yeah. Know, it's like, this is the cop that gives me a hard time. He's like, hey, why are you going to be such a you know, ball breaker? And it, like, and it's, that's, you know nothing else about this guy, and he is in three scenes, and he's just the guy that's always giving you a hard time. Yeah. And I'm... And, and, I think a more seasoned director, screenwriter, whatever, might be like, look, if this guy's going to be in three scenes, 
make, you know, how does he feel about it? Why is he giving him such a hard time? Does he want his job? You know, is he dating? Did it was was his wife estranged as she is like his high school sweetheart? Is he having a? I don't know. You know, and flesh it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's not just like this is the part where I come in and I say my line. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little. I mean, it's not that bad, but you know no. what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. The peripheral a lot of those, performances don't get a lot of. They depth. were more two dimensional. Yeah. Um, and it tells the story. Sure. But it it doesn't. And all this other stuff we have been talking about is how rich it makes the 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 world and the other people in it could also have done that. Yeah. But I think if the actor doesn't do it because they maybe aren't seasoned uh then the director should be like listen um let me give you a couple of questions to answer for yourself you know or i want to see a little more of this and if you have the money you have time to kind of do that on set and if you don't you got to be like okay well we got to get all the stuff out here in the snowy parking lot today because this is the day we have the parking lot yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 so the priority is getting it in getting it uh, and moving on more than being like could that be better yeah, yeah, for sure. One uh, one just very nitpicky criticism that I had of the movie, and I think this is was my fault with going in. This was an ex- expectation I had going in, more so than what they were actually trying to do. I thought this was going to be a film where, you know, it's in Utah and there's snow, but the snow is never really a character in the way that it is. And, and I this is... I'm not trying to compare this because this would be totally unfair, but you know, you watch the shining and the snow is a character or almost unto itself. You know what I mean? And the, we're going to talk about it here in a minute, but the movie that we're going to do for next week definitely has that. Whereas this was just kind of like, and it's even, it's, you know, they never really talk about it, but it takes place during the holidays. But the only way that you really know that is occasionally you'll, you'll hear like a Christmas carol in the background or there's a time where he says, you know, happy new year to somebody or whatever, but you, we never see Christmas decorations or anything like that. So it's not like it feels like Christmas, you know? Right. And, and then that begs the question. So why are so many of these movies set at Christmas time, for example? Yeah. And, you know, I think my answer to that would be, you know, it's a, it, it, it's a counterpoint. It's a time when you want to be thinking of, cozy and family and comfort and you know goodwill towards men and love and mistletoe and and instead you're thinking of you know night terrors and Mm -hmm. body counts and you know claw marks and nightmare the stuff of nightmares and you introduce you set it then so that you can milk that juxtaposition right so that the scene with the wife where we see how fricative their relationship is can be leavened with some like, you know, this isn't the time of year. I want to have this kind of conversation, you know, or they can have a moment of wistful remembrance of like, do you remember the, you know, mm-hmm. they have a daughter. Do you remember things used to be good? You know, it's a, it's a time of nostalgia and stuff, and it's very rich. So to introduce it or to set it then and sort of like not, mind that that's part of what i'm when i say like there's a lot introduced in this movie that doesn't get super developed that's a great example of that yeah definitely definitely um i i felt like the movie was quite cold i mean i i the snow wasn't a character like 
it could like it's a something that could swallow you up. It just felt like, but it felt very present. The movie felt quite cold. That's true. Yes. Uh, to me, you know, and it, it, uh, yeah, I would totally like, agree with but that. But mostly, like you know, it's a, you wouldn't want you, you discover the body and you think, I mean, they're dead, but emotionally, you're kind of like uh, to be left out here alone in the cold like this is, you know, mm-hmm. a, an unforgiving uh, landscape. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And one thing, this is a little unrelated to that, but one thing, this was not something that occurred to me watching the movie. I don't, I don't know if it, if it did with you, but um, these couple of uh, just little uh, production videos that I watched, he said that one of the things that he wanted to, one of the ideas that he wanted to present in the movie was he wanted to make a juxtaposition between the werewolf and him being an alcoholic because he said he, he thought, you know, if a person were actually a werewolf, you would do these things when you're transformed and it would be in the night, you would do all this horrible stuff. And then the next day you would wake up and you would feel really guilty and be like, Oh, what have I done? And he said, it's the same way for, you know, if you're an alcoholic who drinks to the point of blacking out, the next day, you're going to be like, oh, what did I do last night? Uh, you know, I didn't murder anybody, but I probably said something that I shouldn't have or I yelled at, you know, my daughter or my wife or whatever, you know. So he so I thought that was kind of an interesting point that he was like I say, I didn't that didn't occur to me watching the film. But I thought that was a neat idea. It, it occurred to me that you just in watching the trailer. I thought maybe he was the werewolf. I did, too. Because yeah. there's a couple of, he has prominent canines, and I don't know if yeah, that was exactly, something exactly. he did, like, deliberately as a director, but there's, there's even in the trailer, well, you can't see the trailer on the podcast, but even in the trailer, there's one thing where he's kind of talking to them, he's like, it's, there's no such thing as werewolves, and he cocks his head at this kind of angle, and you see, they're, they're borderline fangs, <laughs> and mm-hmm. you're like, He's the werewolf. Like, yeah. that's perfect. He doesn't even know he's the werewolf. Uh, and that's kind of where I thought it was going. Until I did, it too. Super, until it made it super clear that, no, that's not what's happening. And I'm like, oh, huh. I was sure that's where this was going. Mm-hmm. But, um, again, you know, that's an interesting thing. And I can totally see that in the movie. But it's one of so many it's different It's almost too many ideas that you're trying to cram being into played with an hour. None of them really yeah. get fully developed. Um, right. To make a case, certainly, and it doesn't feel like a thesis of the film. Um, it's sort of there, and you can be like, "Oh yeah, I guess I could see that." But there is a ton of that, a ton of that, and there's themes of to- toxic masculinity for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you can draw parallels to that of the werewolf, and it's always a female victim, and. There's a focus on the genitalia. I mean, that's standard serial killer stuff too, but there's we a don't great... ever get to hear from the wife. You know, she's just depicted as this sort of, you know, harridan. Um, there's a great line where he's with the the deputy, the female deputy, and he's gone to the library and, you know, he's done all this research about werewolves. And he was like, you know, throughout history, the werewolf is always male right, and the right. victims are always female. And he was like, can you imagine women uh, 
having to go through that. And she just kind of looks at him. She's like, yeah, yeah, I can. You know, and then he real he's not such a dullard that he, he was like, oh, yeah. You know, he realizes it. he's not he's not totally clueless on everything, but he's basically like, oh, I said, you know, uh, I was sort of sexist there. And then, you know, and then he caught himself. But I, I thought that was a really I thought that was a, a, a nice scene. It, it was a nice scene, and and it could have resonated with all of these different things being played with. But you, it's like he chose to make it like the scenes there, but he sort of plays it for the laugh in that moment, and so it doesn't resonate with. Like that is one of the most on the nose statements of a theme that he's exploring in the movie, mm-hmm. and rather than let that resonate in different ways he's like that's crazy huh and she's like oh, you think and it's sort of like wham wham yeah oh yeah and i feel like there's a fair amount of that too where it's not bad to introduce a bunch of themes but you're raising the bar for yourself and if you only if you say you have 30 scenes in a movie and eight themes you want to explore and so you go, okay, well, each one gets a couple of scenes. Then it's harder to have the thing feel like it's all coming together. Plus it fits a formula of the twist ending. you know. Mm-hmm. Plus it's trying to hit classic tropes of a werewolf movie or a, a monster movie set at Christmas time. You know, I don't know. It's just a lot. Sure. And that, I, you know, I could guess that may be the difference between an indie and a, and a bigger studio film not necessarily in a bad way, you know, you always think of, well, you know, this with with this, he had all this control and that's great. You know, the suits weren't there to tell him what to do. But in a bigger budget film, the editing may have been better. And they might have said, instead of these eight different points, let's use four, you know. Right. And for better or for worse, I mean, I, I tend to think of it for worse if you had a studio you'd have someone with eyes on it, Mm -hmm. right? You would never just trust it to an auteur that young to be like, here's the money, go make a great movie. You know, you're going to want your thumb in it. Yeah. Um, And we're all familiar with the story of that thumb ruining it, right? Like making it feel like a cookie cutter corporate enterprise that loses the individuality that, you know, the filmmaker you're excited to go see. But, like with Star Wars, having a studio being like, no, you can't, okay, you can't do that. You know, yeah. you gotta, it's got to, you know, audiences have to be able to get their head around it. You know, um, can be a positive influence. Sure. Look at the Marvel movies. That <laughs> look at the Marvel. <laughs> look, look at the Marvel movies that are these. Oh, my- I saw WandaVision. I watched the oh, first what two you, episodes. What did you think? I love it. I it's love great. it. Um, it's interesting to me because uh, I think he's a good actor, but she is really running away with this um, this trope, right? This idea of this sort of throwback sitcom trope that's slowly, well, f- feels relatively rapidly moving forward through time. Mm-hmm. And I think she is nailing the genre. Yeah. And he is gamely doing his best but there's a subtlety to her performance that shows she studied, you know, the original like Bewitched and Dick I Love Van Lucy Dyke show. and just the, 
the the yeah the the way those jokes were crafted and and performed and aimed to land right and she leavens that with this sort of unease of like what something weird something's not right you know it's troubling her uh and i think she very expertly navigates that and he is kind of i mean it's justifiable cuz he's you know synthetic but there's a part of him that that just feels like he's not he's just kind of being swept along with it and mm-hmm. the, his performance doesn't illustrate the intimacy with the source material that hers does does that make sense yeah sure sure maybe that's a different you know i don't know exactly what sitcoms in england were like at that time but probably very different yeah one thing about but, it but I, but I, I think it's, I love it. I can't yeah. wait to see more of it. I love the short format of it too. It's Me great. Me too. One thing that I've wondered watching it, so we, you know, we weren't alive when Bewitched and the, the Dick Van Dyke show and all these things were on, but we were exposed to those because of Nick at Night and all that, you know, this stuff just ran continuously. So we watched all of the, you know, it is all of those old black and white and, and even the later color 60s ones which they're going to get into uh in the show but do you know somebody who's a teenager or in their 20s do they have the the context to you know because they so perfectly encapsulate the look of those and the yeah. sound and everything is that going to be lost on younger people i mean it's, the show's doing well i guess so i'm sure there's a lot of teenagers and people in their 20s watching it but i just wonder if if all that, the language of that is going to make sense to them because it's so foreign to what TV is like now. Yeah. I don't know. Or does that Uh, matter? I don't know if it does or not. You know, if they just, Oh, I think it matters. Old TV, you know, I I think it matters. I I think, I don't know. I don't know. I just think for people, me being part of my enjoyment was being like, "Wow, that's really on point." Yeah, exactly. That's just like I marvel at her hair. I'm like, whoever's doing her hair is like was really knows their stuff because that looks dynamite. Yeah, and just the sets and the way you know it just the look is so different and the costuming. Yeah, you know, it's perfect. The the set dressing, all of that, all of that, it makes me feel like Saturday Night Live. Like even if you see a sketch and you don't like the sketch, the costumes and the wigs and the sets and the props are all amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they have a crew of people building this world for them that really are at the top of their game. And then whether or not the thing resonates or lands or the people stumble over their lines or break character or whatever, you know, they rehearsed it for a week. But yeah. the people that build the set design and costume design and yeah, makeup for WandaVision so far, man, I was... Oh, yeah. Part of the enjoyment for me is like, wow, that really looks like the the, the thing it's emulating. Exactly. It really yeah. looks like that. And that's, you know, that's got to be tough to do. And then you have these couple of minutes or five minutes of each episode, the, the two episodes so far that we've gotten where the camera angles change, you know, where something weird happens and it's like starting to be revealed a little bit to them that something's not right. And the camera angles change and the music changes and you get into this kind of twilight zone or even maybe like lost feel. So it's, 
I think it's going to get real trippy, you know? Yeah, I think so I'm ex- too. I'm excited. It'll be real. Yeah, I, I'm I'm on board, but it's fun. Yes. You know, it doesn't feel fraught, and I don't feel like at the end of it, I want more, but I'm not like, how will I wait till next week? I'm just like, oh, that was great. That'll yeah. be like, when that comes on again, I want, you know, gobble that one up. Yeah, for sure. It's very um, So let's talk. I mean, do you, um, would you recommend this film to our listeners? Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, just kind of all this, everything that we've discussed so far, it, it's a, it works as a, as a werewolf, a horror movie. Uh, but it also has these great comedic elements. It's not Shaun of the Dead kind of comedy. Um, it's more subtle and, you know, more sarcastic, uh, a little maybe darker humor. But you also have these genuine, um, real emotional scenes. It's got—he's not in it a lot. I kind of wonder what his his health was at this point. But I love Robert Forster. Sure. You know, he's just great, and so he lends, you know, a little something extra to this. Um, and yeah, I it it's, you know, I definitely recommend it. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly with all of that. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Lots to talk about, lots to think about. Um, if you haven't seen it, or I am genuinely sorry that we ruined it for you because I was. I it had me wondering and guessing throughout. It Absolutely. really did. Same with me. Yeah, I never. And the execution of the twist was not, you know, it wasn't M. Night Shyamalan, um, or at least it wasn't. Uh, Later M. Night. <laughs> It wasn't early M night. Yeah. It wasn't. Oh, okay. uh, it wasn't the sixth sense, mm-hmm. but you know, it felt like it was kind of going for that. Like you're like, oh snap, it's not you know, but but it didn't feel like that in the film. But I, I think the whole thing was very ably handled, and especially since it feels like such a low budget thing, it was impressive as well as enjoyable. Definitely. So for next week, we're gonna go with another snowy. Winter. Let's go with another snowy winter one. We're gonna we're gonna step step outside our uh, box a little bit and do a classic. So we're gonna do John Carpenter's The Thing, right? Yes. And man, I am so excited. <laughs> I, I'm I'm sure if you're a horror fan, you've seen it. Yeah, we're uh, gonna we're gonna let the cat out of the bag. I mean, this is this is a good movie, so. Uh. Yeah, we'll tell you ahead of time. This is one we're just sort of doing for pleasure because we like to watch movies and do a podcast. But it is straight up horror. It is crazy Cronenberg-y stuff. And it's, of course, a remake of the 50s thing where... The thing from another planet. Yeah. Yeah. So, But I think the John Carpenter really runs with it. And it's one of one of the great horror films, certainly, of... of my childhood oh, i mean for I, sure. I, yeah. I, it was really upsetting to me when i saw it but also you know kurt russell's great and, and just great performances it's just uh, and if so for whatever reason anybody listening if you have not seen the movie watch it you know before you listen to yeah well our we'll podcast yeah because we're going to spoil it but it's it's if you have not seen this as chris said it's a classic yeah, and it's genuinely scary. For like, yes, I, absolutely. I remember I haven't seen it in a long while, but I remember when I watched it, I was like, "Oh man, 
that really rattled me. Like, if you that was upsetting. Yeah. If you haven't seen it in a while, I'll be interested to see how you feel about how it holds up because I've watched this a bunch. I saw it in the we'll talk about that more, but I saw it in the theater uh in 2019. So so yeah, I've seen it recently, fairly recently. Hot dog. Hot All dog. right. Well, if this is one that I wish we could see together. Oh yeah. Over a few craft beers, but that would we'll be have awesome. to pandemic it out for a while longer. All right. And um thoughts, comments, suggestions, requests, Chris and Chris Talk Movies at gmail.com. Hit us up on all the socials. All the socials. Send us a tweeter. And uh we, we are not banned will... from we are not banned from Twitter. That's correct. <laughs> we did not incite a mob. <laughs> That wasn't us. But we incite you to go watch John Garbage's a Thing and <laughs> join Ooh, us to talk dang. about it. <laughs> <laughs> join us to talk about it next week.